The following program was meant for 420. Welcome to 420 and a half. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists and community builders every weeknight at 6. I'm Rashawn Leek, and in our virtual studio tonight with me is my fellow co-host. And I am Tamrika Khtisiashvili, and Roundtable Tuesday is when Rishan and I ask a central question and then invite folks to come on and talk about it. So tonight, we are talking 420. So first, happy 420, y'all. Got to put that out there. Coming up on the panel later this hour, we have Bijan Sakaki, a partner in Beehive Pharmacy, which opens its second medical cannabis pharmacy in Utah today in Brigham City. Christine Stenquist of Truce, together for responsible use in cannabis education. She was instrumental in the success of Prop 2, the 2018 ballot initiative to legalize medical cannabis. Now she's working on legislation in Wyoming. And former state lawmaker Stephen Urquhart, who did time in the Utah House and Senate. But today he's co-founder of the Divine Assembly, a community that believes in the power of responsible religious use of psilocybin to connect people and to cultivate health and healing. The assembly will host a summer solstice revival in June at Bonneville Sea Base on the edge of the Great Salt Lake. But first, joining us for rallies and resources is our own executive producer, Laura Jones. Hey, you guys. I've always been conflicted about 420 Day, to tell you the truth, but I must admit, mistakes were made. (laughs) I did inhale and my eyebrows grew back. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say anymore. Pictures. I need pictures and I got questions. (laughs) Well, and the conflict becomes because I've got a family uh, predisposition to to addiction. I've lost family and friends. And so I'm always a little conflicted. But you know what? I love everything else about 420. How about you you guys? I just want to get it because we're going to focus on this and about how this legalization movement has matured. And I'm kind of curious your stance. For, so for me, I, I'm really interested in how, like, in general, U.S. government works and this whole idea of certain states adapting laws and then seeing how they work in other states and, and, and other states either taking them on or not. To me, that whole process is really fascinating in general. That's super unusual for any other country and the way government works in other countries. So from that stance, it's been interesting to see how it has worked or has not worked in other states. I mean, honestly, I don't have any uh, kind of moral standing on it. I, I believe uh, alcohol and a lot of other things we do is as damaging as smoking plants, uh, not to mention pills that people are prescribed to in large quantities and addiction that that causes. But uh, I probably don't have as much family history, maybe, as you did. You mentioned, Laura. So I think things do change maybe when it's really personal. Rishan. Rishan. I am a proud member of the (laughs) celebratory (laughs) holiday that is known as 420 across the world. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I think I think this reefer madness has gone on long enough. I think it's ridiculous, honestly, especially, you know, especially I, I think it's time we come to grips with the hypocrisy around it. You know, I mean, every Super Bowl, how many beer commercials that are we are we going to be forced to watch? And just gosh, if you watch TV from 12 o'clock to three o'clock, how many drug commercials are you going to be forced to watch? 
and don't pay attention to all the the like if you take this or you could have x y z a b c d e it's ridiculous so it's time we stop treating a, this plant as as the enemy and really you know take a take a chance to reap all the benefits that mother nature and, and God and goddess, if you will, has bestowed upon us. I mean, especially all the criminalization that comes with it. I think that's the biggest issue. There's it so is. many people that have been put, uh, you know, in, in jail and prisons due uh, to uh, smoking pot and not even in large quantities. So I think that's its mm-hmm. own conversation that uh, is super interesting and hopefully we'll explore in our panel. Excellent. Well, I've got some rallies and resources. I almost said reefers for you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'm going to start with this announcement out of uh, out of Texas. Willie Nelson and Luck Presents announced their first annual cannabis convention. It's called the Luck Summit, planting the seed, benefiting Headcount's cannabis voter project. So really, 420 is the start of celebrating Willie Nelson's birthday, which is on April 29th. I'll put a link to all that info for anyone that is interested in that in tonight's show notes. Uh, it is also Earth Week on Thursday. It is Earth Day, and there's a great film uh, film festival, mini film festival. I just got asked to step in and MC for a, a host that uh, is taken ill, and so I will on Friday, Thursday night. Excuse me, Thursday night is Earth Day. Uh, at five thirty, I'll be online with Salt Lake Film Society to kick off their climate change film tour. I'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. How about an Earth Day challenge with Park RX Utah? The RX as in prescription. You know, I want to start getting into this outdoor medicine for y'all as you're coming out of COVID. So I had a conversation with the program director of parkrxutah.org, and that's Sarah Kinnison of the Salt Lake County Health Department, and Megan Zollinger of Salt Lake County Parks and Rec. She's a program director at Draper Rec Center. Here's that conversation. Starting off with Sarah Kinnison. Parker X Utah is my baby. Parker X Utah is a statewide coalition that focuses on prescribing outdoor time to anybody, um, any um, Utah that is interested in getting outside and moving. So Sarah, you've got a challenge to break from isolation and enjoy outdoor exploration. It's Earth Month. Salt Lake County Parks is 75 years old. What's this all about? Yeah, so we have an exciting contest going on right now. It ends on April 25th, and you can join at any time. So you, the idea is just to get outside. That we provide different missions um, that you to complete to earn points. So you want to join the Goose Chase app, download that on your phone, and then create a team of three to five people. And then you just look at all the different missions that are on there. So one might be go canoeing or visit your local park and take a picture or a video. Um, we just want to give people new ideas to get outside um, and try something new. Well, in Salt Lake County, Megan, how many parks are there? And can you kind of give us a breadth or depth of things you can do? Gosh, you know what? I was actually just pulling that up before we before we got on. I can't even count on our website how many parks we have. We have um, class one regional parks, and that's kind of your bigger parks, your Cottonwood regional parks, some, some ones that people are probably more familiar with, and then tons of neighborhood parks as well. So um, all of them have the green space available, you know, to get out there, fly a kite, you know, that sort of thing. Um, walking trails. Uh, we've even got walking trails through the mountains. I mean, so there's, I mean, there's abundance of options here in Salt Lake County, which is awesome. There's, there's not, 
an excuse not to get outside. <laughs> so why or what can you point to that's happened to us during COVID that makes this a great challenge, Sarah? Yeah, so I think many of us, we felt like that we were stuck inside, you know, trying to um, stay isolated and especially with the winter as well. Um, I think many of us just choose to stay inside. And so we want to make sure uh, people are still know the outdoors are there and that uh, there's a lot of mental health benefits and physical health benefits to being outside opposed to being inside. And so we just want to connect people with that opportunity, especially as many of us have been and sometimes we need the gamification to motivate us, right? Exactly. And there's lots of free prizes. So anything to get people outside. So Megan, for folks that might be going, I know I live in Salt Lake County, but I don't know where the parks are. I've locked myself away for a year. What resources there to help people get reacquainted? You know, honestly, I think where they should start is our, our website, slco.org backslash parks. Um, it has the entire list and each one of those has a link to where where the park is at and what's available at that park. And so um, I think that's the best place to start to see what's even in your neighborhood that's close by that, that you have accessible to you. Now, Sarah, from a health perspective, we may want to ease our way into this. So where can people find out more about ParkRx? Yeah, so we have a website um, called parkrxutah.org, or you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, just parkrxutah, and there's a lot of information just about what parkrx is, as well as the contest on there. But we should maybe ease our way in. Yes, just do start where you're at and then go from there. Get the headband, get the sneakers out from underneath the couch with all the dust bunnies, but stretch would be your number one tip. Oh, yeah. So you can just start where you're at. If you feel like you haven't been active at all, stretch or do what you need to to warm up before you try anything too crazy. But we've chosen some activities that hopefully anybody can do. That's Sarah Kinnison, the program director for Park RX Utah, and Megan Zollinger of Salt Lake County Parks and Rec, the Draper Rec Center. ParkRXUtah.org. Look for a link in the show notes. So Rashawn and Tamrika, last night we started part one of a two-part conversation with aspiring journalists in the Salt Lake Community College Journalism and Digital Media Program. There's this new nonprofit in town. We've talked about it on the show before with its founder, Marcy Young-Cancia, who is here, Amplify Utah. Hi, Marcy. How you doing? Laura, thanks for having me. Thanks. thanks. For having me, yeah, yeah. Of course. Welcome back. And thanks. thanks thanks for helping us uh, get your students together to talk about themselves as storytellers, especially Given the stories we've seen in coverage of the Chauvin trial where um, police aren't paying attention to who's press, um, it's been kind of interesting. Um, so Amplify Utah is that your new nonprofit. It's a media literacy tool as well as a tool to tell more diverse stories. And you went live online last week. And when are the first stories going to populate with the Salt Lake Tribune? Remind our folks who maybe missed the show last night, Marcy. Sure. So over, we launched the nonprofit last summer and uh, at the beginning of the spring semester, so January of 2021, we started working on the stories with the students that are joining us today uh, on the show to start working on stories that help amplify uh, voices from within our community college community, which, you know, historically community colleges are the most diverse institutes of higher education in any state. And that's certainly true in Utah. Uh, so our students have been working on learning the fundamentals and the basics of journalism, reporting, interviewing, 
and are now in the thick of their final stories, which are stories they've pitched, they're working on, you'll hear about them in a minute. Uh, and those will start rolling out, we hope, within the with, on the Salt Lake Tribune and in their um, on their platforms within the next few weeks. And so. of course, I've extended the invitation, Rashawn and Tamarika, to the students to come on and tell us about their stories as they publish. Uh, hopefully they have some audio we might be able to share as well. We will work through that. But let's meet the students. First up, we have James So. James, introduce yourself. Give us a little of your background and tell us what the story is that you're working on. Yes. Hello. Uh, my name is James. I'm 23 years old and I'm a communication student at Slick currently. And so my story is pretty unique and I'm pretty passionate about it. It's um, I have a good buddy and he's a he's a local barber and just some quick background. It started on TikTok, actually. And so my, my buddy, he was like, hey, because I started to do TikToks and he was like, I have a good idea. How about we go into the communities of people of homelessness and cut their hair and make a cool TikTok. And it just started out as fun and we posted it and it blew up. It got over like millions of views. And so it started to become this series that we were doing. And so with um, our final projects, Marcy was like, hey, instead of like this paper, you should just make like a mini documentary, like more long form. And so um, we've been filming, like we went out a couple of days ago into these little camps and just are trying to find people. And we just, I, I don't know, it's such a cool experience because these people are a lot more similar to you and me than we think. Um, and so it's just really cool to have conversations with these people, just like their goals, just like their hobbies, just have like normal, regular conversations with these people. And then also give them some cool haircuts and see the reveals. Cause some, some of these people haven't had haircuts in years. And so it's just like, they look like completely different people once we're done. So that's, that's pretty much what my story is. And yeah. It's a very um, humanizing experience. It sounds like for you and them. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. We have Samantha Herrera. Samantha, tell us about you and the story you're working on. Hi everyone. Oh, sorry. My voice is rough. <laughs> um, so my name is Samantha and I am also a communications major at Slick. I'm Mexican American. And that is kind of what made me want to write the story that I'm writing. And uh, the story that I'm writing is kind of focusing on people whose parents are immigrants, but have spent most of their lives in the US. And because of that, they've grown up in between American culture and their parents' culture. Um, because that was an experience I've been through, like both of my parents are immigrants from Mexico, um, but I was raised, I was born and raised here. So it's really interesting to see just how those two cultures can sometimes come into conflict with each other, especially when it comes to like really big, like morals and values. Um, so I thought it would be really cool to speak to other people who have had those experiences and yeah, just to hear their stories has been so interesting. And, um, even though everyone I've spoken to has also been Mexican American, even within our experiences, we've had such different, uh, experiences in our lives. Did you struggle with the form in terms of how you were going to tell the story because you so identify with it? Did you go first person or are you going to go objective reporter? Are you going to go op-ed? What, what is it going to turn out like, Samantha? Um, so I'm doing it objectively. Um, I think it's best to let people speak for themselves. Like if you read a story, I don't know, if you read like a news article, you don't really want to hear about the reporter because in reality, my background shouldn't matter. It informed what I wanted to write the story about. But um, I think just hearing from these people is more important than what I've gone through. Thanks, Sam. 
Anthony Najera is with us as well. Anthony, tell us about you and the story you're working on. All right. So I'm 21 years. Uh, I'm currently doing communications as well at Slick, and I plan to continue my education doing that. Um, my story is kind of similar to Samantha's, where I wanted to see um, the different culture aspects of how, I guess, how people see the vaccine and coronavirus in terms of um, Mexican culture. And so a lot of my papers focused on traditional medicine, like herbal remedies, home remedies, and stuff like that. Uh, and I just wanted to see like if growing up with uh, all that kind of different medicine uh, would deter people from getting the COVID-19 vaccine. What have you found so far? Can you give us a little tease of what you've been finding? Yeah, so um, I feel like as I suspected, a lot of people are uh, not really too into the idea of getting the vaccine, but there's a lot of background information that, that plays into that. It's not just as simple as, oh, because I grew up with you know this kind of medicine, I don't do modern medicine. It's, it's a lot deeper than that. Um, but on the other side, there's a lot of young people uh, that I talked to as well that are, you know, completely fine with it and they're okay with getting it. And some of them are already vaccinated as well. So, Well, everyone, let's keep in touch because we'd love to bring you in when your stories hit. It might be a jumping off point for a panel discussion, but we definitely want to find out how it all turned out for you. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. Marcy, just to wrap up, Amplify Utah now has a website and uh, it's also public facing. You don't need to be in a program at the community college necessarily, it looks like. No, no. So Amplify Utah is a nonprofit that is geared at increasing media literacy through better, more representative storytelling. These stories that we're finding and amplifying from within the college that also speak to our communities in the greater Salt Lake Valley. Um, so if you are a member from the community and you're interested in writing and participating in this platform where we can help teach some of the journalistic tenets and the journalistic approach, but also help amplify your voice on the platforms that we offer. That's what we're here to do. So work is published on the Amplify Utah site, but the goal of that is really to then share that work with local media partners. We have collaborated with the Salt Lake Tribune receiving some funding from the Google News Initiative for the first year but really do plan on expanding this out to local media partners across the Salt Lake Valley. So well, if you want more info, you can go to AmplifyUtah.org. And as I've said, we are going to be a partner. <laughs> so we'd love to have your students on. We'd love to be an outlet for any podcast that comes out and shares the stories in some sort of panel form. So let's keep in touch. All right, Marcy? I love it. I'm on board. Thank hey, you thank so much, you. Laura. So I've got a three quick picks for 420 coming up. But first, we've got Denny Fuller from the Boys Ranch to introduce a new song from the band. And Denny, I just thought it'd be fun to have you on for 420 Day. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize it was going to be 420 Day. So <laughs> what a coincidence. Well, what Some is 60s up? 60s go-go music for you. <laughs> I know. It, it fits perfectly. So what's up with the Boys Ranch? What gigs you got coming up? Well, uh, we've got a really exciting one coming up this Friday uh, at the Urban Lounge. We're doing it in the backyard. So it'll be all nice and socially distanced. They require masks and everything, but um, we're doing a 50th anniversary, anniversary tribute of the Velvet Underground's um, awesome album, Loaded. So that's like Sweet Jane's on there and Who Loves mm -hmm. the Sun and rock and roll and those songs and stuff. Um, and we, we actually had it planned for last fall uh, on the 50th anniversary to the day. And then Governor Herbert was like, we're shutting everything down. It was like November, right? Remember yeah, when he kind of yeah. like shut everything uh -huh. down again? 
so we got i did all this work and we like planned this big old thing we learned how to play the whole album like uh and then it just got shut down so we were kind of like defeated for a little while but anyways we're getting a rebate this friday and we're playing the album start to finish so i've never done anything like that before so yeah. it's kind of ambitious and i think it'll end up a fun time. Well, we'll put a link at the show notes so folks can check it out, see if there's any tickets left. But in the meantime, Thank what are you, you going to share with us today to get us to our pan our 420 panel? We got for for uh, all those you can see. I know not everyone else can see. We got the Boys Ranch new single "Sun Dreaming," and it was just a song that I wrote because I I kind of in the middle of the winter get sick of the cloudy gray skies, you know, kind of thing. And I grew up in Phoenix, so it's even in the winter it's 75 during the day and sunny every day. Um, and uh, I was just like, I got to write a song about dreaming of the sun and it's about California falling off the continental U S at the same time. Cause that was <laughs> stewing in my head because someone told me about that. And then it's also about love too. So it's just a, a weird amalgamation of all those things. Well, whatever you choose to do while you're listening to this on 420, here is the boys ranch, uh, sun dreaming on KRCL 90.9. Thank you, Laura. I'm dreaming of the sun.
Support for KRCL comes from the Joan Trumpower Mulholland Foundation, creators of the Civil Rights Veterans Relief Fund to help veterans of the movement with food, medical housing, and utility bills. Details online at jtmfoundation.org. Thank you to everyone who supported KRCL's Gifts for Good during Spring Radiothon. Your support granted over 250 meals for students at the Guadalupe School, and the KRCL Grove grew by over 100 new trees. Thank you to everyone who could donate and our great partners at the Guadalupe School and Tree Utah. Hi, this is Vern Waters from the County Library, the West Jordan Branch, with three quick picks for 420. My first pick is Cannabis for Chronic Pain, a proven prescription for using marijuana to relieve your pain and heal your life by Dr. Rav Ivker. This book is the first authoritative and comprehensive guide for treating chronic pain with marijuana from a holistic family physician who's treated more than 6,000 chronic pain patients with cannabis. In Cannabis for Chronic Pain, Dr. Rob explains the potential for marijuana's capacity for healing anyone with chronic pain. Medical marijuana is a safe, non-addictive alternative to dangerous opiate pain pills. If you're suffering from arthritis, back pain, migraines, fibromyalgia, menstrual cramps, IBS, Crohn's disease, anxiety, depression, pain from cancer or its treatment, this may be the book for you. It is now possible to create a distinct cannabis prescription for different types of chronic pain. Find what works for you and get the relief you need. My second pick is a celebration of life. It's a long story is Willie Nelson's autobiography wherein the iconic country music hall of fame artist and 10 time Grammy winner shares the story of his personal life and career from his early ambitions and indelible relationships through his bankruptcy and founding of Farm Aid. And lastly, a book the San Francisco Chronicle calls probably the finest biography ever written about a popular musician, the classic biography of reggae legend Bob Marley by Timothy White, updated and revised for the 25th anniversary of his death. Bob Marley left an indelible mark on modern music, both as a reggae pioneer and as an enduring cultural icon. Catch a Fire, now a classic of rock biography, delves into the life of the leader of a musical, spiritual, and political explosion that continues today. Additionally, check out the DVD called Marley from director Kevin McDonald, the definitive life story of the musician, revolutionary, and legend from his early days to his rise to international superstardom. Made with the support of the Marley family, the film features rare footage, incredible performances, and revelatory interviews with people who knew him best. All my picks are available for checkout or download from the County Library. Visit thecountylibrary.org to place a hold today. I'm Vern Waters with three quick picks related to 420 from the County Library. You're listening to 420 and a Half, a delayed edition of the show meant for 420. Please consume responsibly. Welcome back to Radioactive and Roundtable Tuesday. I'm Tamri Kartisiashvili. All of our programming and the Radioactive archives may be found online at krcl.org. I'm Rashawn Leek. We're going to finish Roundtable Tuesday by speaking with our 420 panel. We have Bijan Sakaki, a partner in Beehive Pharmacy, Christine Stenquist of Truce, together for responsible use in cannabis education, and finally, former state lawmaker Stephen Urquhart, who did time in both the Utah House and Senate. Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Good. Doing good. It's our holiday, so I'm happy. Okay. There we go. <laughs> That's awesome. Doing great. I love how you phrased it. I did time in the uh, in the Utah legislature. <laughs> now I'm furloughed. <laughs> right? I like that, too. I think that's, Free man, that's a great sir. way to introduce all politicians. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
I mean, so let's let's just jump in and start. Like, you know, first happy 420. But but I mean the question begs. So we now have medicinal cannabis as is a thing in Utah. How close are we to seeing recreational cannabis be a thing or the decriminal criminalization of cannabis be a thing? Um speaking as the patient organization, I, I think we're still struggling for a, a comprehensive medical program. So I don't think the conversation is too premature to talk about adult use in our state, but I would like to see a more comprehensive medical program that has more distribution sites and more grows throughout the state. Um, we're still struggling with access. I'm thrilled that Beehive opened their store today because that means more patient access for us. I want to take our conversation toward um, decriminalization. So Although, you know, legalizing, it's great that for medicinal purposes, but it seems like the conversation about uh, decriminalizing the substances is still kind of not talked about as much as I would like to hear, at least personally. Can anybody jump in and and give me your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that's a conversation you're hearing uh, or are we just talking? Are we kind of putting that aside for now? I think I think decrim is is the right step forward. You know, you, people we have to acknowledge that okay, the the sky did not open up with fireballs now that medical cannabis passed. So we're still here, we're still alive, everything's fine. And now that this is becoming more socially accepted, um, there's a whole industry around it with people that have skill sets that may or may not be on the other side of offenses that might prohibit them. I think people are starting to realize like okay, decriminalization is. The next step, I think recreation is, you know, a, a ways away, like we just barely passed medicinal, you know, a year or two ago. So as Christine said, let's really like refine this, let's get this thing where it needs to go. I think the state has done a good job in standing this program up within two years. So think about how far we've come from no cannabis to now it's 420. You can order online, come to a drive through, see our pharmacists virtually like times have change in two years. So what's going to happen with decriminalization now in the next year, the next two years. I think that's more of a conversation than recreation. I think lawmakers, um, even industry here, it's like, look, let's, let's get the medical program fully baked, no pun intended, uh, before we even entertain something with, with recreation, but, but there are its pros and cons, you know, we're, we're seeing other markets pop up that are recreational. They're seeing insane tax revenues generated from it, but, I think the purpose of this program wasn't necessarily taxation. Um, so the next step, I think, would be decrim for sure. To Bajan's point, um, I was in Wyoming this past legislative session working with the House Speaker and the Majority Whip on cannabis legislation. And the bill they crafted was not a medical bill. It was a full retail bill with a decrim component. So there are states who are seeing that um, maybe jumping over the medical and capturing it all at once makes sense. Um, That bill didn't get very far, but now I'm helping advocates there move towards a ballot initiative. So the the legislative body is going to be controlling and talking about the the, um, retail and the adult use component as the community is working on the medical and the decrim. So you're seeing each state kind of do their own experiment according to the political flavor that is going on there. Stephen, as a former lawmaker, are you surprised to see where we're at as a as a as a state so far with medical marijuana and even having the conversation of decriminalization? And of course, I want to bring in psilocybin into the talk as well. 
Yeah, so uh, I have to apologize often to Christine when she came up on the hill. Um, I think I wisely told her, look, we're not getting medical cannabis in your lifetime. Um, so yeah, I, I am surprised, but you know, Utah, as much as we do try to be an island in some ways, we're not. And, uh, we have a lot of, uh, adult use states around us, which means obviously that product is plenty available, um, outside of dispensaries and, you know, at some point, uh, governments have to deal with the reality and, uh, as cannabis becomes more and more pervasive in Utah because of our surrounding states. Um, you know, it's something that the legislature is going to have to deal with. Uh, you know, if they're concerned about problems with cannabis, then a way you can take address those is to actually make it legal and regulate it. Absolutely. And as I said in, in the opening, I think it's so interesting to see how America deals with laws because we could do this state by state, you know, uh, and kind of experiment. And uh, kind of, uh, Christine, you said this due to political uh, taste, I think is how you said it, uh, was of each state, you know, the law takes a form in a different way. And I think that's really interesting. I want to go back to Bijan Sakaki. Um, it's a big day for you today, I believe. It, you opened your second medical cannabis pharmacy in Utah, and I, be, I believe it's in Brigham City. I want I want you to tell our listeners more about that and also maybe share your personal story, kind of what got you into that industry. Yeah, absolutely. Today is, today is a big day for our industry. Uh, you know, it's like the unbeknownst 420 holiday. Um, but for us specifically, we opened our second pharmacy here in Brigham City. So Brigham City is located in Box Elder County, it's in the northern region of the state, about an hour away from Salt Lake City. So the town itself has about, you know, 15,000 residents, but it's located in an area where you have the university up in Logan, you have a lot of people coming in from Idaho because it's the, the farther north town. Brigham City is also a huge um, cold food storage, a lot of truckers that come through there. So I'm, I'm very excited to bring rural Utah you know, access to high quality, clean medicine. And yeah, today, today was our, our, uh, our public opening. So big day for us. And part of the reason why I got involved into this was through personal experience. Um, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when I was 12 years old. So from the years of 12 to about 18 or 19, it was this constant, you know, cadence of go to the doctor, get prednisone, um, have a flare up and kind of just be in stuck in this thing. And when you're a kid, you don't really understand what's happening or why things are happening. Um, when I started on biologic infusions, about 19 years old, um, I got really, really, really ill. My mother had just gone through, uh, several rounds of chemotherapy for lymphoma and for ovarian cancer. So it was this kind of taboo thing. My parents are immigrants, so I never drank or smoked growing up. And then the moment I tried this, plant all my stomach ache. I mean, 18 years of just aches, just immediately or years of aches went away immediately as soon as I tried uh, cannabis for the first time. So that in conjunction with, you know, mindset, you know, psilocybin, as Steve mentioned, um, diet, nutrition, all of these things have allowed me to come off of everything. And so it's, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing, you know, to be able to not be tied to the system and 
the repeating every eight weeks of infusions. Don't get me wrong, medicine is you know, modern medicine is necessary for many things, but my journey has specifically led me to where I am now and being able to be a steward for the plant, steward for the patients. Um, you know, I put on my operator hat because we're operating beehive, but I also put on my patient hat first because if this doesn't make sense for the patient, we're not going to do it just to make money. So you'll find with our organization, we'll price things accordingly. We'll try and do things that can give people access to medicine that can't afford it. You know, whether you're terminal or you're on Medicaid, then we have financial assistance programs for you. Cause when I was on my infusions, it cost me 10 grand a month without uh, insurance coverage. So how is somebody going to pay for their cannabis? So those experiences have really led me to kind of shape the way that we run beehive. And I think that is really true to our core values is patients come first. And if it doesn't make sense in that regard, then we don't do it. Thank you so much, Bijan, for sharing your story. Christine, I know you, you talked about lobbying uh, in Wyoming, but how did, how did your journey uh, come about, about being a, a fighter and advocate for this beautiful plant, if you will? Um, thank you for the question. Um, I am a brain tumor patient. In 1996, I was diagnosed with acoustic neuroma. It's a tumor that sits on my hearing nerve, my facial nerve, and my equilibrium nerve. During that brain surgery operation, um, I they hit a blood vessel. They only got 40% of the tumor, and I was left with 60% of it. But I stroked during surgery because I hemorrhaged. They hit a blood vessel, and I was in a coma for four days. When I woke, I had some speech problems. I had to learn how to walk and talk and, and do all those things. But at 24, it just kind of took my life in a different direction. That was um, 16 years of a bedridden and housebound life. Um, about almost a decade now, um, I started trying to find other options because cannabis, or excuse me, the pharmaceuticals that I was on were opioids. I was on a fentanyl patch and on a lot of heavy pain medication because I still suffer from chronic pain and debilitating migraines. So I didn't get much relief through the pharmaceuticals and I started researching cannabis. Um, I discovered that the Marinol that the pain clinic had put me on had a better substitute and that was the plant. I learned a lot about the plant science behind it and decided it was something I wanted to try. I reached out to my father for his blessing. Um, my dad's a narcotics officer. So before I ventured into breaking the law, I wanted to let him know that I've done my research and I felt like this was the option for me. He was extremely supportive. And um, I started this, this experiment. It was a two week experiment and it just absolutely mitigated my symptoms. And I felt passionately that I needed to move forward and try to see if there was something I could do to push for policy change. Um, two weeks led into four months, led into six months, and I was driving again. I found my way to Capitol Hill, met that fine gentleman, Mr. Urquhart, and told him my story, told uh, former Senator Mark Madsen my story, and wanted to push for policy. Um, Steve told me that was probably not going to happen. We were still we were still trying to educate on CBD. That's when the big, huge CBD phenomena started happening. Our state was the first state to pass the CBD law across the country. Um, thank you to uh, Steve and Gage Froer and the epilepsy uh, families and movement that sprung out of Utah County. 
but that's what led me to here. I'm sorry for the long story, but it's been a very long journey. Um, pushing policy here led to me going back to DC, um, worked with uh, Mike Lee and getting him on board with uh, federal policy. From there, I met other advocates around the country, some international advocates and started getting involved in the UN stuff, learning what was happening on the global scale to find out what I could do to keep pushing because um, 16 years is a lot of years to suffer in pain. And when you start learning about the lies behind prohibition, I felt passionately about changing drug policy reform. And I really felt like uh, cannabis was the linchpin. If we could get more compassionate minds around this plant, um, we can see an end to global prohibition. We really can. Christine, I um, want to ask you just as a quick follow-up. So do you think, um, can we get full legalization in Utah or do you think we'll have to wait for federal decriminalization, especially that uh, Steve Urquhart is gone? I mean, what, what what is your feeling about current Utah politicians? Is this something that is possible in Utah? Absolutely. Anything and everything is possible. I think when you start having... Um, a closed-minded mentality that it's not achievable, that's exactly what you'll get, an unachievable thing. Um, so yes, I think it is achievable. I think it is possible. We do need a lot more people who need to do less clicking on social media and more boots on the ground, more phone call making, more getting more active um, in the movement doesn't mean necessarily pitching and selling your product. It means making phone calls and having those community conversations because that I, I still think cannabis education is still needed within the entire space. We are not done. Just because we have brick and mortar up doesn't mean everybody should just go home and say, hey, that was great, fantastic. We got another store in Brigham. I know that Bijan works with me almost on a daily, if not weekly basis keeping me informed on what's going on in the industry space. Industry and patients should be working together. Doctors and patients should be working together. The persons who are the problem in all this are the legislators, are the very people who are prohibiting and not changing the laws to reflect the people's will. So I encourage people, don't give up. If we want adult use in this state, we need to advocate for adult use in this space. We don't need to just defer to those who are already in it, thinking they know all and they will do the best thing for us. Steve, I, I mean, I feel like we have to go to you because your journey is very interesting. I mean, we go from the good old grand old party to unaffiliated to co-founder of the Divine Assembly and Religious Use of Psilocybin. Like for the people who don't know you or aren't familiar, how does one come about finding a religion based on, I don't want to say based on, I don't think that's right, but around the beauty of psilocybin. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it is beautiful. My wife and I, we found a lot of healing in psilocybin, as a lot of people do. Uh, you know, Christine, she has a beautiful story about this also. And I, I while I was in the legislature, um, I locked horns with the Mormon church on LGBTQ rights. And they were saying that somehow it violated um, their religious liberties. And so I gained some expertise on the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and First Amendment. 
And when I'm in this beautiful mystical state of consciousness, communing with the divine, I mean, I think that the religious experiences I have had, they rival those of any human who's walked the earth. Now, I'll quickly say anyone can have those experiences. You know, that's the difference of the divine assembly in most other religions. Other religions, the early acolytes, they're the ones, I saw this, everyone needs to believe it. And we say, I saw this, and you don't have to believe it. I don't care if you believe it, but it's helped me, and I'm healing. Go have your own experiences mm-hmm. based on your life and things that matter to you. And so many people have these experiences that they have to quickly talk about God or something beyond what we know. And uh, we figured, man, this absolutely is religion entitled to the same protections as other religions. And we're just having a lot of fun pulling our community together. We are having worship uh, services every week with the sacrament and uh, really, really enjoyable. Steve, um, I believe you have an event coming up this summer. Um, Will you share with us what the event is and if our listeners want to join, if they can, and how do they find more information? We do. We're really excited. June 18th through June 20th out by Grantsville, we're going to gather, we're calling it our Summer Solstice Revival, and you can find information at thedivineassembly.org, so put the D in there, thedivineassembly.org, and uh, we're going to have presentations, workshops, seminars, we're going to dance, we're going to laugh, we're going to have theme camps, and uh, it's participant-driven. People are going to show up, and we're going to take care of each other, we're going to entertain, and help heal each other. Uh, We're just really excited to gather face to face and enjoy each other's company. And I'll point out at that event, we will not be sharing the psilocybin sacrament. That sounds, I mean, after a year like 2020, uh, an opportunity to congregate with your family or your chosen family, if you will, that sounds amazing. Uh, Bijan, I want to go over to you because I had the opportunity to listen to your the podcast you were on and one of the taglines I really that really stuck with me was something you said was plants over pills. And as you are opening your shop now in Brigham City and, you know, in a, in a area that I, I don't I'm not going to judge and I, I always like to be open minded, but I would say that is a community that is probably more comfortable in the in the loving arms of big pharma than they are in, in the arms of this precious plant. So how how are you trying to educate that community, if you will? No, that's a that's a great point. Um, first and foremost, we're starting to work with the qualified medical providers. So letting people know like, hey, medical cannabis is here. You can get your card. And these are the steps you can take to get your card, because a lot of people don't know they have another option besides what their doctor prescribed them or what they've been taking the last 10 years, whether it's Oxycontin, fentanyl, um, hydrocodone, whatever it could be. So first is going to be education. And second is just going to be having a presence and not be this foreign, you know, Walmart-esque entity in a small town. And so, you know, Brigham City is, I've spent a lot of time up there. There's, there's, it's a rad town. Um, It's known for its peaches. They have something called peach days every year. And so, you know, we're trying to incorporate some local flavor to just not completely lose that essence of, of, of where we are. Um, You know, a, a lot of people who are, use of traditional pharma have a, a, a fairly high tolerance for 
chronic pain. So if you look at the highest qualifying condition that medical providers are writing prescriptions for, it's chronic pain. So we've got about 26,000-ish patients right now. Almost 19,000 of those are going to be chronic pain. So we need to make sure we have products that fit that demographic that can meet their needs because not everything is created equally. So not every product is created equally. Not every patient has the same pain thresholds. So ensuring that we have products that can meet the demands of everybody in that Northern region is going to be, you know, crucial for our success. So education is one and two is, um, you know, offering the right medicine for everybody. On that note, you know, some of our listeners are probably well aware how to do that. And some of our listeners have the cards, but for people that they're still trying to figure out how to enter that world, I mean, do you have like, what is the process of getting a card um, here in Utah? What What is that process like? And let me tag on another question to that. Do you think what qualifies for getting a card is opening up a little bit in Utah? Or do you foresee it opening up a little bit? Great, great question. So what does it take to get a card? So um, you will need to visit, if you visit the Utah Medical Cannabis website, there should be some links to qualified medical providers. Um, if you look up, you know, Utah Cannabis providers online, uh, your your doctor can, can write prescriptions. So um, as a patient, you'll need to find one of these doctors. There was a recent law that passed this last session that allows any general doctor to write up to 15 recommendations per practice. So that'll be coming into play here um, in 2021. So you will be able to go to your healthcare provider, your family doctor, and if they choose to, they can write up to 15 within the practice. So typically, um, whether you go to one of those doctors or you go to a cannabis specific doctor, they'll interview you, they'll go through your medical history, they'll ask you, you know, have you used medical cannabis? What um, what have you tried in the past? Uh, they'll register you into a state system called the EVS, which is the electronic verification system. And that's where everything is controlled by the state. So your card gets issued by the state, you pay your fee to the state at that level. And then there's renewals, uh, every, you know, 90 days or 60 days or six months. Um, those things are loosening up and, uh, as you mentioned, are the qualifying conditions going to be loosening up or extending to different ailments? Um, they have a uh, a board, a review board. So if let's just say if you, uh, Rashawn, have a condition that isn't in the qualifying list, you can go before a board and uh, pretty much plead your case saying, hey, this is my condition. This is how it's helped me. And then they can make an approval for you at that time. So after you've paid all the fees and met all the doctors, you'll get an email with a card, kind of like an insurance card. Once you have that, then you can visit one of the 14 pharmacies in the state. Now your first visit, you have to meet with a pharmacist on site. So something that the Utah program has done that's uh, un unfamiliar with other surrounding markets that people go to, like if you go to Colorado or you go to Nevada, you, you won't be used to seeing a pharmacist there, you're used to seeing a bud tender. So here in Utah, your first visit at any pharmacy, you're going to have to see a pharmacist and they're a real life pharmacist. You know, they have worked in retail, they've worked in uh, pharmacy and they're going to go over the current laws, what you can and can't do. Um, you know, there's some restrictions uh, such as smoking. So the only permissible use for flour is going to be vaporization. So they'll go over with you saying, do you know the rules? You're not allowed to roll a joint and, and smoke one. 
uh, like you would in an adult use state. But what you can do is you can grind it up, consume it through a vaporizer or buy a tincture or a gummy or a vape cartridge. Um, once you have that card and you're in the system and you've, and you've met with that pharmacist, you can then shop within the state or your qualified medical provider's limits, which the state limit is 113 grams or 20 grams of concentrates. So depending on what your doctor allows you to get, uh, you, you have enough to purchase within a 28 day period. Long answer for your, your short question, Tamrika. I appreciate it. Actually, some of those details, I think hopefully it, it will encourage people to do something, but that all said, um, some of the numbers you said, like for instance, the fact that the doctor can only do 15 recommendations. I mean, those numbers seem really low and I want to jump to you, Christine. Do you think, what are the chances of increasing those numbers? Like what is our next fight in this cause? Like what is the next step that Utah uh, needs to make to make it a little bit easier, a little bit more accessible, especially if we're talking about like older people that might be dealing with chronic pain. Um, it seems like there's a lot of things to figure out before you can get the plant. There, there, we're still, there's a lot of fronts that we still need to be fighting. Um, one of the problems that Truce has always had with our state is that our legislators felt compelled to tell our physicians how to practice medicine. And that has always been a problem with the patient cap numbers that they have on place. So to answer the frustrations from physicians and patients all over the state, um, Vickers came up, um, Senator Vickers came up with this idea with the Utah Medical Association to allow 15 patients per regular physician. So what we have in our state right now is any doctor who wants to recommend cannabis to their physician or to their patients has to take a four hour course with the state and register to become a QMP. Uh, that's a qualified medical provider. What we have seen is a lot of QMPs go into that business and space. They are, aren't doing the best for patients and it's very, very costly for patients. So we're, we're having a problem where we have a lot of patients who are registered but don't wanna use the system because it's getting too costly. Um, the answer again was to allow GPs and, and family physicians to recommend up to 15 of their patients in their practice. I think that the intention was for doctors to get their feet wet. I think what we need to do is step aside and let physicians be physicians. Legislators have no place in the middle of this telling doctors and, and controlling their First Amendment right to talk about cannabis. So we have, we have a lot of major problems in our state and our program still. Um, but we do have industry people, especially like Bajan. I've I've known Bajan a while. I, he fought on the Hill for access for this. He is, like he mentioned, a patient. I support individuals in, in the industry in the space that understand the challenges that are still there and that are trying desperately to work with lawmakers to get them to understand. So, Christine, where, where can our listeners find more information about Truce? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Truce Utah, and um, our website is truceutah.com. Nice. And uh, Bijan Sakaki, tell us about the pharmacy with an F. Yeah, so we're, we're Beehive Pharmacy, but pharmacy is spelled with an F, so F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, and that's more of a farm over pharma. So everything comes from, from one of the eight farms here in Utah, so we're, we spell pharmacy with an F. 
Um, but you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Beehive Pharmacy. And you can visit our website and schedule an appointment to talk with our pharmacist or purchase online at beehivepharmacy.co. Nice. And last but cer- certainly not least, Steve, where do our listeners go if they want to if they want to be a member of Divine Assembly and, and take part in this mind opening uh, journey, if you will? Yeah, thank you. TheDivineAssembly.org. Um, we have one tenet. That one tenet is that everyone can commune directly with the divine and receive guidance. So we don't need a lot of doctrine if people can uh, get it for themselves. And uh, I, I just want to say what a pleasure to be on. Christine is an absolute hero to me, our own Aaron Brockovich. And uh, so fun to watch Bijan just learn, 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 mm-hmm. and battle his way into an industry that's dominated by insiders to the toe in and be involved. Really proud of Bijan. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Well, thank you all for being a part of Roundtable Tuesdays. And this thanks 420 for episode. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We hope you have a great 420. Happy 420. Happy 420. Guys. Steve, before we let you go, um, we have a question for you. We, we would like to have your advice for lawmakers given what the people want on 420. Yeah, each lawmaker is independently elected. They answer to their constituents, not to leadership, not to a church, not to anyone but their constituents. And this is a problem we have in this area is lawmakers, they're afraid to dig in and learn and act on their own. They're waiting for permission. So you have one senator, one house rep who's guiding things and they're not having conversations with the right people. So I think the industry eventually will get there, but for the sake of patience, let's get there sooner instead of later. And Tamrika, that's our show lady. What, what'd you think? Great. You know, every time um, we have a show where I personally learn something new, I uh, am super happy and I have learned a lot. Uh, I, you know, this is probably an area that you're a little bit more knowledgeable than I am, perhaps. That's a first. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm happy to try to catch up. So it was great. It was fantastic conversation, a lot to learn and uh, happy to have our um, guests on the show. What about you? Uh, well, you know, I mean, I've I've been studying, if you will, since uh, my teens, so I don't want to say I'm a Ph.D. level, but <laughs> I am well versed in the divine experiences that Steve was talking about. And honestly, I think I think he touched on it. You know, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of ignorance that goes into making our laws. And, you know, and I'm not this is not a call for all people to go out and try psilocybin or marijuana. I mean, you should because you'd realize that is not as dangerous as you've been taught from the pulpit, if you will. And that goes from, you know, my background as well, you know, but, but it's really just, it's, it's beautiful when, when, you know, when done in a, in a proper, you know, environment with beautiful and loving, you know, people around you, it's, it's amazing. And, and, you know, and I, and I think people are doing themselves more of a disservice when they turn to pills over over plants you know and that's in many instances not just in in what we're talking about today but but being that today is 420 you should be turning to plants over pills to get your 
get your body taken care of you know i mean you know that's that's right and and as uh many songs talk about it it's time to legalize it y'all yes radioactive is a production of listeners community radio of utah our executive producer is laura jones associate producer billy palmer i'm tamrika tisiashvili and i'm rashawn leek until our next show stay curious stay invested keep your minds open and your heart's right. Happy for 20, Rishan. Thank you. Thank you as well. Enjoy. As a thank you to the KRCL community, KRCL's Music Meets Movies at Home will be screening the 2018 Sundance award-winning documentary about the Sri Lankan-born rapper-activist MIA. No ticket needed, but registration is required. Join KRCL from the comfort of your own home this Thursday at 7.30 p.m. for a screening of the documentary Matange Maya MIA. The documentary pulls from 22 years of footage covering MIA's youth, rise to fame, and controversies that followed. Music was my medicine. It just blew up so quickly. I lived through a war, came as a refugee that is now a pop star. What are the goalposts? That's Music Meets Movies Home Edition at your place this Thursday, April 22nd. Register now at krcl.org. Thank you all for keeping community radio alive and well in 2021. Enjoy the film.